After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 36 of The Hunting Collective. I'm Ben O'Brien, and today I am joined by Land Tawny. Land Tawny is the CEO of a group called Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, which I hope you are all aware of. Uh, we've had uh, his colleague John Gale on before to talk about what BHA is, uh, what they do. You know, Land in this podcast, he and I didn't really get into the nuts and bolts of BHA and the, and the inner workings and what it is. So if you've never heard of that, stop now and go back and find my podcast with John Gale and give it a listen because it'll give you a lot of background on their organization. But if you do know what BHA is and you do know who Land is, um, hopefully this will be a great exploration of what he thinks, what the organization thinks, their goals, and some of the challenges they face, and some of the ways that they intend to solve those problems. We talked a lot about the election, the midterms. We talked a lot about some of the bigger challenges facing folks in the hunting and angling community. And... I always find Land to be a frank character and someone who really tells it like it is and has an understanding of, of where our community needs to go and is, is a great voice for all of us. So please enjoy episode number 36 and Mr. Land Tawny. Land Tawny, what's up, man? Ben O'Brien. Hey! In the house. Welcome to Bozeman, although you live in Montana, so. I do. I do, but Bozeman is a good place. I don't make it over here often enough. Yeah. Yeah. This is your first time in the Mediator Incorporated offices. What do you it is. How do you feel about that? Well, what I love is that the outside is very inconspicuous. <laughs> There's just like one little teeny Mediator sticker. <laughs> We're working We're working on it. <laughs> but I kind of like that, though. Like, it's like, this, then all of a sudden you go into the mothership. And yeah. uh, no, it's a cool space. Uh, we were talking earlier, you know, it's, this is kind of a, like a hub over here with Sicka really close. Yeah. You got Onyx, and then you got Stone yeah. Glacier, Mr. Ranch. And, and you know what I always say? I've said this for years, <laughs> that Bozeman is the Silicon Valley of, of the hunting industry. You know, you should make a T-shirt. You think I should that. make a T-shirt I think you about should. That? I mean, because, you know, somebody, somebody else is going to say they, that. Somebody else is going to like claim it, right? That person but, would be wrong and you know. mostly an asshole because <laughs> I came up with it. Somebody, just so everybody knows, I said this earlier, like, oh, yeah, a lot of people have been saying that. And one of our uh, wonderful colleagues here is like, well, you, you didn't come up with that. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. 
And so I feel like if we make yeah. it a T-shirt, on it, then you, then you, that is yours. There's nothing that anybody can do about it <laughs> once it's on a T-shirt. So anyway, Bozeman, if you come here, you'll see. I'm gonna make a sign and put it up on the highway that says Bozeman, the Silicon Valley of the West. Now here's one that I just somebody was telling me about. I haven't seen the it yet though, and it says the best downtown in America or something like that. <laughs> and I'm like. No offense to Bozeman, but I don't think it's like the best downtown in Montana. So yeah, like, like you know. come on, like let's let's but, have a little self-awareness, know, a little Bozeman. <laughs> have a little bit of self-awareness. When I, so there's a couple things like that. Like I, you know, it's perspective. When I moved to when I moved here, everybody's like, "Wow, oh, man, it's really a growing place and a lot of traffic and it's super annoying." And and I said, "Well, how many, how many people live here?" Like ah, forty thousand. <laughs> Whatever the number is, yeah, it ain't more than fifty. Yeah, I was like, "That's a small town," and the it's all like a of suburb, America, like right, that's a yeah. suburb. That's like a, a street corner in Chicago. Yeah, like you know, coming from Austin, Texas, that's you know a yeah. subdivision. Yeah, so calm down. Yeah, you know, they're like, "Well, there's a lot of traffic." I'm, I'm like, "Tell me about that." They're like, "Are the cars stopped or are they moving?" I'm like, "Well, they're moving at full <laughs> speed, but there's a lot of cars." <laughs> like, listen, man. It's all relative, right? It's all relative. It's all relative. It's all relative. It's really cold out, but you can ski down the You know what's going to happen? I'm going to remember this conversation, and I'm going to hear you complain about traffic at some point. Yeah, 100%. As soon as I'm here for like three years, but you know when I moved to Bozeman, (laughs) 2018. Cars could go 65. Now they're out in 55. Bullshit. (laughs) I'm definitely, my dad's definitely uh, an old grumbly, like an old grumbly guy now. Mm -hmm. And I I tell myself, I'm never going to be like that. I'm always going to be. Like a super right. positive old man. Yeah. If I ever make that far, I'm probably lying. You started saying things to your kids that you had your their parents said to you, and like, I'm are you sure. shit, right? Like, like I'm doing that now, and I'm catching myself. I'm mean like, oh, I thought I'd say I'd, I'd never say that, you know. But also, like, because technology is going so fast, you know this because you have older children than I do. Yeah. But like, I look at a 16 year old human, and I'm like, I can't. What the fuck is that? Yeah. What is that over there? Yeah. I don't have anything in common with that person. Yeah. And I'm only 32. That ain't good. Right. So imagine when like, I'm 50 years old, what it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, t- the tech is moving so quickly. It is. But like, I mean, we're trying as much as we can to keep our kids away from tech. Yeah. Right? Like my daughter is 10 and she's the only one in her class that doesn't have her own device is what she says. Like, so whether that's a cell phone, uh, iPad, whatever it is, she doesn't have it. And uh, and I think like kids will be the same like there's like even that 16 year old like they're gonna be able to find places to identify with them right you oh, know yeah. I mean like the technology yes like when you see those kids out and they're all on their phones at lunch you know and they're probably texting themselves like that's that's absolutely blowing my mind yeah. but you get them out in the woods and like you know like all that stuff goes away so that's my favorite part about that yeah yeah because there is you know I'm always like technology can some in some ways provide perspective but it's it's artificial because you're not really talking you're not really in japan talking to somebody in japan <laughs> if you have a pen pal on the internet you know? right it's not even pen pal people don't say that shit anymore <laughs> i can't believe you just brought that up. <laughs> pen pal on pen the pal, internet yeah. nobody pen pals on the internet <laughs> I mean, when i'm the, definitely an old i'm gonna be an old old man when i'm 40 yeah well yeah you're already on your way like, <laughs> pen I mean, pal. Yeah. we're talking about the digital age i'm like you know that digital pen pals that's great Remember when email first started? Yeah, when I was in high school. Yeah, I remember when the first cell phones came out. No, I don't. Um, but I, I do think there is you, you're, this artificial perspective, right? It's manufactured. You are speaking to someone in a different place and time, in a different culture, with a different set of uh, experiences, but you're not really with them. Right. But when you go, when you take someone and go outside, and you, you know, 
you delete all that artificial perspective and you get real yeah. perspective and it's shared, you can't beat it. Or use your analogy like you're talking to somebody in Japan or whatever over email and you're not really there. Yeah. If you go there, that's a much different experience, much yeah. richer experience. Yeah. Right? So yeah. hopefully... You know, you're able to find some rich experiences with your... All the 16-year-olds are listening now. Like, we got virtual reality, bitch. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about. I don't have to leave my house, and I'm all over the world. You're like, dude, I'm in the Himalayas right now. And, that, and that's right now. Right? Yeah. Let alone what they're going to come up it's with, gonna right? It's going to be bad. It's going to yeah. be bad. So anything we're saying... Oh, man, we are getting old, aren't we? Yeah, we're, getting, we're definitely getting I mean, old. I'm older than you. I'm 43, but like, uh, I feel like I'm 60 right now in this conversation. <laughs> See, I feel bad, too. I'm kind of wearing like... People can't see us, but I'm wearing kind of like a uh, cardi, like an old man sweater. Oh, totally, a bit. totally. And I, I yeah. saw it in the mirror today. Old like, man oh, O'Brien. Old man O'Brien. <laughs> I smell like I'm of... getting the gray on the beard. That's the big thing that's changing. That, that and the hair on my head, right? Like are two indications <laughs> I'm getting old. Getting Besides old. like that my knees are like when I'm going up and down those Creep steep mountains. Oh, down. yeah. It's, uh, it's not great. Anyway, the outdoors are great. You guys should go. Don't. <laughs> yeah, have you ever heard of those? The outdoors? Yeah, you should go there. Yeah. So... Let's talk about virtual reality for a minute because I think <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get to some deep subjects deeper than that. Do you feel, do your kids, have have there been any rumblings in, in their worlds? I mean, they live in Montana, so they're, yeah. they're in a little bit of different environment. Like, what's the, what are their friends doing in the tech space? Like, what do they have? What are they, are they playing? I mean, Fortnite, dude, Fortnite is like is the this thing huge thing. And like, I, like my son, he's playing basketball right now. And I'll, like, I'll watch him in practice and all of a sudden he'll just start doing that one dance, dude. It's like... And he has never even played the game, but it's like all his buddies are playing it. And then like the dances is kind of like this thing. Um, so I'd say that's huge. Um, what else? I mean, I, I mean, my kids just like, we're not letting them do it. And so like, I'm not getting, I don't, I'm not as hip onto like what, like yeah, what is- the technology that they're doing, you know I mean? Like, like we're playing, I guess, uh, what is it? Minecraft is gigantic with these kids, which really? I, I mean, I'm a big Lego guy. You know, I grew up playing Legos, you know, and I still like it. Like, I'll admit it. I still like playing Legos, and I buy my son Legos and my daughter so I can you build them. them yeah. And I don't play with them after that, but I like building stuff. Yeah. And so that idea of Minecraft is you're kind of building stuff all the time. So yeah. I can see the attraction to that. Um, but, like, we, that is the one. We have, you know, PS4 at our house, and we have Minecraft. And my son, he gets to play that, like, for an hour on the weekends. And yeah. that's what he wants to, like, we have soccer, we have football. Yeah. He wants to play Minecraft. Wow. I'm doing this because I like I'm working for a digital media company and right now. I sound like someone who shouldn't be working for a digital media company. I think when next meeting is like Minecraft, me neither <laughs> yeah, Minecraft. That's, that's what I'm, we need. To I'm go. looking for ideas to pitch in the next board meeting. <laughs> hey guys, and then, Fortnite. Have you ever heard of it? It's awesome. We should invest. Get get Steve doing the, the dance and see what happens. Yeah, that'll probably. Hey, <laughs> you never know. Might we gotta happen. we gotta freshen this place up a little bit. That's right. Um, changing subjects, taking off. <laughs> There is no transition. From There's a Fortnite. hard turn. That's there is happen. no transition from Fortnite into politics. I, if there is one, please, you know, please let help me. Something with about it. like I don't know much about the game, but something about zombies walking around. Like, yeah. that's kind of politics. Sometimes. Yeah, strain the swamp yeah, situation. Right. Um, there was this election here recently. Yeah. Um, you know, I think everybody in the lead up now with our media coverage and the way that we kind of run in cycles i think every election feels like the most important election i don't know if that's um i i would imagine that's not generally uh unique to our time and our generation sure. but there is still massive amounts of chatter around these these elections whether it's a midterm like we just experienced or it's a presidential election whatever it ends up being gubernatorial yep. it doesn't matter totally um 
so as you think about in your position with BHA, in your position as a leader in the conservation space, yeah, how do you view elections? Like, do you view them as opportunities for much needed change? Do you do you view them as you know, um, so, you know general opportunities for new legislation, or do mm-hmm. you, is it maintenance for what we already have? Like, how did you come into this midterm? What were your thoughts around how how you would approach it? Yeah, that's a good good question. Um, I think that you know, first I, I look at this maybe globally, like this opportunity to vote is pretty unique in the world. Yeah. And what a special thing that we have. And, you know, it's an opportunity for you to make your voice count. Yeah. You know? And for me, <clears throat> we shouldn't take that lightly. No. You know? And so I think the idea that every election, you know, is like important, it is. It you is. Know? And like people, like your voice doesn't count unless you use it, right? And stop bitching, you know, if, if, if you don't vote, right? Now, yeah. if you vote, then you got a chance to bitch because, you know, you actually participated in this process. And so just fundamentally there, like how rad is that? I think that's like a good thing. Um, I think, you know, elections in general are opportunities to uh, to really provide, or it's a vehicle for talking about the things that you care about, you know, and whether that's public lands and waters, which we care about, whether that's, you know, an array of other issues, healthcare, whatever it is, Elections bring that out and they make people like focused on those issues and then the elected, you know, the people that are running for office, they have to talk about them to the people on where they stand. I think that's a really good thing. And without elections, you know, I, I I think you have an opportunity to talk about your issues more during election cycle sometimes because uh, there's hyper awareness around. Yeah. Right. People trying to make a decision. Absolutely. Um, So, you know, before I talk about kind of maybe how we at BHA and me in particular as CEO looked at this, I think when I look at our system here in the United States, it's, there's a, a system, it's a system of checks and balances. And I think that um, there's this word compromise that has become a dirty word. And well, if you compromise, that means that you've weak, you know, you're weak. Yeah. You're and like, and like, nobody wants to be seen as weak. And so yeah. we are, you know, like we're going to, not move forward with something because we don't want to look weak. That's right. And so uh, compromise is important. I think that when you find compromise, that's something that stands the test of time. When you force something down somebody's throat that's on the far left or on the far right, just using those kind of two political parties, I don't think that's going to last very long. I think it's the stuff that's forged in the middle that is compromised. And so it's a long way of saying that for this election in particular, when you have the presidency and both houses controlled by one party, and I don't care, again, if that's Democrats or Republicans, there's not as much compromise that is happening at that point. Now that you have one house that's going to be controlled by one party and another um, by the other, and then a presidency, like you have much more opportunity for compromise, and I think that's sweet spot that is in the middle, yeah. right? And so um, either that or nothing's going to happen. If nothing happens, yeah. like that's bad for the country, and I think that's one of the reasons why you know people are frustrated with the rhetoric that is out there uh, is that things aren't happening. And so I think that's partly you know what elections are for is to help people create opportunities for that. And I think yeah. you know there's many things that the Democrats want to get done. There's many things that the Republicans want to get done. And guess what? If they want to get those things done, they're going to have to work they together. Have to work together. Have to. I always find that to be you know one of the logical fallacies of the way our politics work is like we have these two and these we always are addressing polarity yeah we're never we never get to start the conversation by addressing our our similarities right we never get to be like you know what we both agree on yeah because that's too easy yeah but we so we start by addressing our the the polarity in our value systems and the way we think yeah which 
which gets you down the wrong road from the from taking step one. Well, waste your time yeah, too, it's right? A waste like, your time. Let's go talk about the things we disagree on. Yeah, and it's the, but that just creates that that's the, the our political environment right now. Yeah. It's like people are, you know, my my family in my family circle. They're like, let's just not talk about politics. I'm like, what? Yeah. Are you what? Yeah. That's what else are we gonna talk about? That was my grandma at the dinner table. Like, yeah, my grandma. Get irate. That, about that was like a generational thing. One yeah. thing is my grandfather used to be like, "There's three things we don't talk about." It was like, I can't remember religion, politics, and sex. But I was like, "Those are the three most interesting I, things to talk about." I think, I think definitely, I don't want to be talking about sex with my grandparents. Yeah. Um, I was like, "Listen, grandpa, I got a question." <laughs> at the dinner table. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, compromise. It's again, it's like that's it's shown as weak, and I think that. I hope that people start understanding that that's how this country works, yeah. you know. And like that's you know, if you and I go out tonight and go have a beer, and if I was like, no, you can only drink this beer, you're like, I don't like that beer. And I'm like, no, you're drinking that beer. Like we wouldn't be able to hang out, you know. Like it just wouldn't happen. But if yeah. I'm like, oh, well, you can have a picture of that this time, I'll have a picture of this next time. Let's or, each have a different beer and yeah. tell each other why these beers are better than the other one. I know, and it's you know we could talk all night about that analogy oh, probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then let's let's <laughs> and go to better whiskey. better use with a beer in hand, but. I think like that I think we need to talk about compromise and I think yeah. now that we're yeah. going to be with these um different parties controlling different houses I think we're going to get closer to that. Think so? I don't want to be a lot of people I don't want to be Pollyannish be... and say it's going to be solved tomorrow. But I, I mean yes, I mean I think that's it's, it's going to be contentious too. That's part of what, like my original question around your feel like when you think about you know mentally and emotionally like think about the midterm cuz when I thought about the midterm I was stressed out, man. Mm-hmm. Cuz I know I knew a lot of good things would happen. I knew a lot of I I just knew it would be a, a mix of good and bad for like my value system. Right. And I hope to learn some stuff along the way, but like the stress was around talking about it. Mm-hmm. The stress was around the anxiety was around bringing up the subject and knowing wading into the pool that it was going to have sharks in it. Yeah. Like and that that is for somebody like me who likes to talk, that sucks, man, cuz there's some important issues there we should be able to hammer out without being too worried that a bunch of people are going to hate you for just being just for, just for wanting to have the conversation, not for saying I know I'm right, but for saying hey, here's a thing that yeah. we should discuss. Yeah. And even for that fact, knowing that you're going to get you know some negativity brought into the thing. Yeah, I mean I think the uh, I mean politics are a bloody sport, especially around elections. Yeah. You know? I mean it's like you have a winner and you have a loser and um, you know, bad things, you know, are said about people. And I mean, it's a pretty bloody sport. But, and I think during that time, like you're describing, then it's hard to kind of maybe talk about these things because things are so hot. Yeah. Right? Well, now the elections happen. Yep. Changes, changes have happened. Let's move forward. Like there's nothing else to do than move forward in my mind. And so hopefully, you Even know, our president said that in his, uh, I don't like to listen to anything that he <laughs> says. Um, just because he says, he says foolish things. But, I listened to the, you know, because I was, after the election, I was kind of in this mode of wanting to collect my thoughts around what had happened mm-hmm. and what the impact was and then move on with my life and, you know, understand like this, you know, the environment we're now in and move on and yeah. and you live my life. But I did listen to his press release, uh, his news conference directly after the elections were over. Um, and he said, hey, now we can be a little nice to each other. Like, well, okay, that's good, but. Maybe we just practice that all the time. <laughs> all the time, right? Like that should be the way it is all the time. Yeah, but it needs to be. 
But, yeah, listen, we can go through that all day, but I think... That's not going to happen. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, but it is good to hear have him hear him say that, and then let's see how it happens in practice. You know, they're yeah. going to have this... We'll get into details later probably in a little bit, but we'll have this lame duck session, you know, that I think a lot of things will potentially happen between now and first week of December, and then you'll have a break over the holidays, and then the new Congress will start in January, and, yeah. you know, we'll see how they want to play. And um, I think it's... I think it's... Anytime there's a transition where there's been a house controlled by somebody and then there's a new like leadership, I think it's really important uh, that we focus on what's good for the country at that point versus like it's now time to uh, put your notches in the belt, so to speak, right? Like, oh, you guys You're did this. To, you did, you did this to us for so long. Now we're going to do it to you. And like, I that is something I'm very tired of, and I hopefully we can move past uh, that. Well, I mean, I. Was in D.C. a couple of months ago and talking to some folks, and something that came up around a lot around that partisanship was it came up two or three different times, but I thought it was odd around uh, the duck stamp hmm. and you know the sportsman going to Congress saying raise that sucker, yeah. raise that tax. Yeah. We are the constituency that will pay the tax. We are asking you yeah. to raise it this up. This directly affects us, and we want it. We want it. Yeah. And there, there's some folks in our government that were like, listen, I got elected by saying that I would never raise a tax. Yeah. They're like, yeah, yeah, I, I get that. I get that. But you can think critically, yes? Like, this is the one exception to what you ran on, right? Yeah. If the constituency that will pay the tax, that is getting taxed, is asking is demanding you, for is the tax. Is demanding for the raise in the tax. And, like, that is the one most, you know, that's an extreme example, I think. But an example of of roadblocks that just shouldn't exist, logically can't exist, if we're going to get anything done. Yeah, I mean, I know that senator by name. Yeah, and, I do too. I don't and and like at the same time, he got an award that year from an organization that is based around the duck stamp, you know. And, and like, and I just <clears throat> listening to the people, I think is the most important thing, right? Yeah. You know, and like this idea of flip flopping. Let's say, like I said, no new taxes, and if I do this, and I'm flip flopping, no. No. You're listening to the people, right? Yeah. Like you're getting more information. You know, it's the same thing with like uh, Jason Chaffetz, you know, like when he changed his ideas on the sale of those three million acres, that was a good thing because yeah. he listened to he listened people. To the, right? Even if he didn't want to. Right. He got dragged, which he did. Right. Got dragged kicking and screaming. At Absolutely. Least, at least he stopped kicking and screaming at some point and he gave in. Like that's... Politicians it, should do that. That's, that's sound governance, in my yeah. opinion. They're representing the people, right? So, no, I, I think, uh, like, you're right on that one. Um, I think back to, like, you know, these elections create opportunities to create dialogues and to talk about, you know, issues that are important to you. Yeah. And, and for us, that's public lands and public waters. And yeah. what's great about when the election is as far as timing is, is that September is kind of this month. You know, you have public, National Public Lands Day. You have National Hunting Fishing Day. And a couple of years ago, we were like, man, that's great for those days. But let's, like, think about September as, like, public lands month, right? And so really celebrated Public Lands Month in September and then started a campaign about voting for public lands and waters. Yeah. And really what that campaign is is that, you know, we legally can't tell you who to vote for. You know, I can't say pick, you know, that that politician over there is the one that's going to support us no matter what. Go vote for them. We can't do that as a 501c3. What we can do is start to have people, like, critically ask questions, you know. And then, you know, one of the things that's great is when politicians are on the stump, you know, going out and talking to a bunch of people, 
they like to like to get votes and say things and then once they say those things you can hold them accountable if they win right and so like being able to talk to them and ask them questions about public lands and waters during that month of september and then up to the election i think was a really important thing so i think what we really with our vote public lands and waters campaign are trying to do is really one is to you know have people think about that when they make that vote but it also creates this dialogue then for the politicians that are running at that point yeah no, that's that's important that dialogue is and to, to something i've heard you say before and a lot of people have said and it's, it, it seems common sense but i think in practice it's challenging for people like if if you go to a rally or if you pick up a pen and paper or go to your computer and write an email to these these politicians. Yeah. 99.9% of them will read it and listen if you, you know, if you're pointed and you state your case. Yeah. Like I I have found I've done it many times. Like you'll a lot of times you'll get a letter back pretty quick. Yeah, and sometimes you know a lot of times it'll be form letters. Yes. Um but I think what's happening then and now we're getting into like policy sides but like um is that that staffer, that legislative correspondent who's opening the mail is keeping score. Yes. Right. And so then they're reporting to their boss that day. Right. And they're saying, okay, we've got, you know, five letters over here that say this. And then one letter over here, that says this like they're And so, you know, this is what we got to, but so it gives them an idea of yeah. what a representation of their, their constituents, what their constituents think. Right. Yeah. And so like, it's super important. And, um, no matter what, like, you know, that's a way for your voice to count. Um, but one thing, and I'd be remiss not to say this is that we did for the first time this year, we did candidate uh, questionnaires. And so basically, as a 501c3, that's something we can do. Um, go out and ask, you know, candidates that are running, so both a Democrat and a Republican, give them a fair opportunity to be able to answer the questions and then just publish what they say, you know, verbatim. And not, yeah. not what they said on an interview, but what they write down, right? Yes. So there's no... Like you can't infer anything. Exactly. There's no bait and switch or anything like that. Like, oh, I kind of heard him say this, so I'm going to say that. So it's exactly what they said. And then we published those. And so we did those in three states. Do that in Colorado, New Mexico, and Wisconsin, and uh, and again, I'm, I'm I'm it's our first time doing it. I'm super excited that we did it. Our yeah. folks on the ground, you know, our kind of grassroots army, were the ones that were reaching out to those campaigns. It wasn't you know me or John Gale reaching out to them. It was the people on the ground, yep. and we got a great response back. And yeah. as far as like participation, and so what that sets us up for, I hope is that is that in 2020 that we can do that in all 50 states. Yeah. Um, we start to do it up in Canada as well. And so, again, we can't tell you who to vote for, but we can provide information for you so you can look at candidate X, candidate Y, and say, oh, well, this is what they said about this issue, and this is what they said you know, about this issue. So that's, they, that's fantastic. They, you know, fantastic. again, then the person can figure out for their own like, who yeah. they want to vote for. Well, you so. know, I've probably talked about this before. Like, I really feel, you know, conservation groups, that is the job. Yeah. The job is to gather together like-minded people and inform them of what the right choices are and what the important issues are. And, and BHA has done that in spades with, you know, it's, it codifies in my mind around Chaffetz, but it's more than that. Yeah. But, you know, national monuments, people, you know, Land and Water Conservation Fund was not trending. Yeah. Some years ago, it's pretty rad now, right? So rad, it's rad. That's a perfect. People know what it is. Yeah, people know what it is. So I think there's some, there's a lot of power in that. And as long as the, the, as long as you're you're swinging that big stick to inform, you can't lose. Yeah, you'll never lose. No, and I think, and that's, and I think, you know, that's one of the, for those people listening to this, it's like one of our most important jobs is as a nonprofit and at BHA is to help educate. But I think as as a voter, as an American citizen. 
one of the most important things that you can do is educate yourself. You yeah. know? And, and BHA, yes, please listen to us, become a member, all those things. But there's many places to get information right now and go get that information and then make educated decisions, you know? And I think, um, you know, we talked about voting before and I think, you know, it's a responsibility for us to vote, but also to make an educated vote, you know, if you're just going in there and just kind of going down and doing things by the party line or just kind of um, not voting with information, I think that does a disservice to this country. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And I think sportsmen, you know, hunters and anglers are, are understanding that. Yeah, more than ever. I well, I would posit. I think the awakening, the awakening yeah, is the happening. Awakening is happening. You, we were talking about that a little bit earlier. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like there is this willingness to. You've seen it, BHA events. We've seen it at you know media or live events. I've seen it even with Yeti. I mean, the people yeah. willing to travel, willing to like, are committed to this idea, and willing to give for it and give a lot for it. Yeah. And if you I and I feel if you're willing to give for something, you damn sure are at the same time willing to put in the effort to be educated about it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like those things go hand in hand. Yeah. And so what you guys are doing at BHA is huge. Yeah. I mean, I, I call it the awakening, but also like the revolution. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Like the the people when they are educated and they know what they want, then they will demand their politicians. And again, doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican. Public lands and public waters, like they cross a lot of party lines. Well, I always say it's trending because it's 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 an easy play. Yeah, like it's an easy America, bald eagles, <laughs> right. apple, apple pie, pie public, public land. lands. Yep. Well, maybe that's yep. a t-shirt. Hey, Ooh. as American as apple pie. As American as I've apple used pie. that line before. <laughs> I, I, I will tell you, I said it before. Have you said that? Anyway, Bozeman is the Silicon Valley. <laughs> back to your back to your like great statement today. Yeah, as people, anybody like if you if you follow the Meat Eater podcast, Steve made a, a quote about high fence squirrel hunting. <laughs> I love that you guys put it into the. And then we, there is no high fence squirrel hunting, right? And we immediately made a t-shirt. T-shirt, yeah. And so I, all everything I say on the, every podcast from now on is in an effort to get t-shirts made about what I'm saying. And I love it because there's a hundred people that are going to wear that shirt. <laughs> yeah. So I'm right now. I'm thinking everything, every sentence I say, I'm trying to make it into a t-shirt. And what I love about that squirrel one is the conversations that will be started around that. People right? are, like, yeah. Like, like people that, that don't mean? hunt. What are, yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> Can't squirrels climb fences? <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, what were we talking about? We're Back way, to, I mean, I don't know. Like, way off. I mean, I think that... Idealism in America. Yeah, well, and like an, an education, right? You know, yes. and I think that's what BHA is trying to do, and I think that's why we're growing so quickly is that um, people, you know, see kind of uh, that we're honest players in this whole thing, yeah. you know, and like here's the information. If you want to be part of our tribe, yeah. we're building a coalition of the willing, and they're coming in droves. And yeah. I think that, you know, these politicians, I think, you know, and if I watched this last election, um, and we're sitting here in Montana, I mean, public lands played a major role, for a sure, a major role, and I think that's exciting to me. You know, I think I said uh, to somebody after the election is that you know people want to put a roof over their head and they want to you know talk about uh, medicine, and right now public lands, at least in this state, is like one of those top three issues, and that yeah. is exciting. I think there's other places in the in the country, like Colorado and Idaho, you know, it played a big role in the governor's race over in Idaho, um, more in the primary than it did in the general, but definitely in the in the primary. And so public lands is becoming an issue that is a top-tier issue. Right. And I think it's partly because it's such a unifying issue, you know, and, if, and, and, and it's also a place to pick up votes in the middle. You know, if you want to get elected, you got to be right on public lands and public waters. And yeah. um, so I think that election proves some of that. I think that, you know, there was three ballot initiatives that we looked at in particular uh one in connecticut yep 
uh, Connecticut, uh, the way it was before this ballot initiative was passed, was very easy for whoever was in charge of the administration just to sell their state public land. So before I even talk about that, there's another reason why we do not want you know, federally managed public lands transferred to the states because yep. they will sell them. And, and so in Connecticut, it was very easy. And so what this basically ballot initiative did was it made it very hard, uh, or not harder, it's like a two-thirds, and then there has to be a public input. And, you know, that got voted, I think it was like 83% that it passed. Like, that's awesome. Like, yeah. People came out of the woodwork and were like, hey, we like our state lands, you know? Yeah. And, like, if you're going to divest them, okay, maybe that one should be, but we want to be part of that process. And so that was super cool. Um, and did that with a bunch of partners, you know, up there. And then moved down to Georgia. And I think this is really cool. This now, is a cool one. This one you're about to talk it's, about. It's, it's rad. Now, in Montana, it doesn't translate because we don't have a sales tax. Um, but down there, and I hope this is something that, you know, starts to permeate in other states, but basically, you have a, a sales tax on outdoor uh, goods there. And instead of that just going to the general fund, now it'll go back to conservation and access. And I think it's up to like 80% or something like that, which is so cool. That's, right? That that's, means then the users are then paying for the thing. You know, this is like this backpack tax that we all kind of talked about at a federal level. But this is happening at a state level. It's not new taxes. It's utilizing existing taxes to pay for the stuff that we all care about. Which is, you know, most of our system of funding. I mean, Pippin Robertson was originally back in you know the 1920s when it was put out there was an existing tax that they yep. torn it over so there was never any new back to you know the nearly 100 years of that tax which right. has been very successful yep. it's never been anything other than no and it's done look at the things that it's done oh you know like the leverage that we've been able to like accomplish with that is like a billion dollars a year right yep. now um so that one is super exciting and it also passed by like you do know, you feel like that's a that'll be like a breeding you know that'll be a litmus test for for that idea absolutely i think it has and, to be. and and the idea that it passed you know 80 plus like it, yeah. both of those passed over 80 um the georgia wildlife federation down there i think you know they've been working on this issue for a long time our chapter in the southeast is new and it was something that they were able to grab onto you know the one thing we can do is a 51c3s we can support ballot initiatives or measures i guess whichever way you want to say it yeah um, and so that was one that we totally dove into which i think was pretty cool yeah, there's there's a bunch of those. We're working on a piece for the our media.com right now that'll be out soon. Uh, probably be out by the time this gets on the line. But um, about ballot initiatives, because that's an interesting one. You, I think people get caught up in the popularity contest of mm-hmm. of guy one versus guy two, or get, you know, however that works. Um, but these ballot initiatives kind of get swept under the rug unless it's some connected to some other value related like it's you know connected to marijuana or connected sure. to something that has a little bit of a spin up in the media cycle but for sports and these are i mean you played really well like yeah. I mean, like both of those played really well and i think besides the sports community i think that was like the outdoor community yeah really supported that and so i was just going to say like the georgia wildlife federation been around for a long time you know and like they've been working on this and then a coalition that included us and others were able to come in and really provide some muscle to get that thing over the finish line. After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about ice age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. 
And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold. Which yeah. is super sweet. Um, and then the last one, and I guess I'll talk about one more after this. It's a local one, but uh, was in Colorado. And basically, um, this, was, this was one that was defeated, which thankfully, but that was going to uh, pay landowners for um, uh, changes in like wildlife management that potentially could be harmful to their business or to their property. Um, and so then we, the taxpayers, are going to be paying them for having wildlife, like let's, let's say, on their property. And that to me is like so backwards. Like if you're going to live in these wild yeah. places, then one of those requirements is that, like you're you're in an, yeah. you know you're part of that whole ecosystem. We have a social contract here, yeah, a societal contract, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Whereas you can own that ground, right? But that's our wildlife still, right? That's, right. You know, you're holding it in trust for us, so don't mess it up, man. Absolutely. So that got defeated, um, thankfully, and it got defeated like by 74%. So that's yeah. a huge number as well. So I think, again, like just using those three as like bellwethers, like people are paying attention to these issues and uh, two were passed overwhelmingly and one was defeated overwhelmingly that were right in our wheelhouse as conservationists and as public landowners. So to me, um, that's a good sign of things. Uh, one back home, we've done a... a uh, um, open space bond, you know, for like the last two decades, uh, we've had money to, to provide open space. So that's for recreation, that's for view shed, that's for mm. clean air and clean water, um, for wildlife habitat. And so this year it was on the ballot again, uh, $15 million, I think for Missoula, um, with another one that was like half a million dollars for maintenance. And both of those passed overwhelmingly. Like it's yeah. one of those ones when like 1% is in and they call it and you're like, whoa, wait a minute, there's still like 99% to go. The whole 1% said yes, so <laughs> yeah, we're going to call it. I was like, how does that happen? But there's, it's, they had indications and exit points that whatever they could call it and so yeah. that was called early and um, I'm pretty excited about that. That's just for my backyard, Missoula. Yeah. Um, and they're going to concentrate on the, the kind of river corridor, the Clark Fork. So in town, but also, you know, east and west of town too. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Would you grade like around those ballot issues? How would you grade hunters and anglers or the sportsman's community, however you want to call it, how would you grade our ability to, you know, see those things and address them, like, in the right way possible? Like, if you're looking at the, the whole of the election, the whole of the ballot initiatives and the, the entire picture, I hate to take I think it we need me. to do better. Yeah. I think we need to do better. Could you give us a I think, C minus? I think, I think in Georgia, when, I mean, I think, I mean, in the places, I think in Georgia um, and in Connecticut, and I know those much better than I do than one in Colorado, I think I give those like B pluses. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think in general, uh, we could be doing a much better job. Yeah. What what areas specifically? Because I know it's hard. It's a I very general like, question. Well, I, it is. But I think it's also you're getting to something. Is is that I think you know you, we were talking about the responsibility at BHA, and I think we take it very seriously in trying to inform our people, right? And so like that's why we did those candidate forums, and excuse me, candidate questionnaires. And so I wish the sportsman's community as a whole were doing more of that, and we're yeah. not. We yeah. really aren't. You know, and I like I could slam on the table and talk about how cool BHA is because we're doing this, which maybe a little bit, but we're only cool as a community if if we're doing that all over the place and yeah. with multiple organizations, and so that you have multiple, you know, 
piece of information to look at as a voter before you go forward. So I, yeah, C is being nice. Yeah. No, because we, you know, as we looked at the election, specifically uh, Renella and I looked at it, but this company here, you know, it's like, okay, we know the issues. Yeah. And it would be super easy if there was a politician out there or a party out there that picked them all up. Yeah. Because um, we really looked at public lands and access. We kind of lumped those two things together, which you could separate them, but we, we lumped them together for efficiency, probably. Yeah. Uh, habitat. And really, around habitat, I always, like... I've become really like people's like what you know what's your main goal when hunting? Uh, like, I I kind of think right now my main goal is to has healthy ecosystems. Absolutely. Like if if you ask that, I'd be like what's the th- one thing that you, what's your one main goal? I'd be like mm, gosh, I got to tell you it's, it's it's the health of the overall thing. Yep. It's not, you know, it's knowing that elk aren't just, you know, mountains aren't a vending machine for elk. It's knowing that like to really be to really be a greater part of our society, we mm-hmm. got we have to be all about healthy ecosystems, yep. um, clean air, clean water. Clean air, like clean they water. matter, and even they if you're matter. not going to go chase that elk around, right? It, Those ecosystems provide that. If you're in a big city and you're drinking water and you got yeah. clean air that you're not, you know, coughing around. It's those wild places that provide yeah. that for you. Well, and it goes it goes to those land use. Yeah, yeah, it goes absolutely. to public and private land use. Like how do private landowners, like we were just talking about there, how do they um, hinge cut or how do they, you know, keep riparian corridors intact or how do they, you know, leave nesting grounds and, and like there's just so many things that like just as a general person that goes likes to go outside, that's what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, for us that was really where we where we stopped at Habitat. We were mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, here we are, you know, you the next one being wildlife management, but it's kind of the same, mm-hmm. you know, there's the same ethos there. Absolutely. The fourth one is guns. Now you could, you know, there's no, we don't have any real problems around uh, archery rights. I don't feel like anybody <laughs> trying to take our broadheads. <laughs> Which, but maybe you heard it here first. You heard like it here all first. of a sudden, like there's this rumor that they're going to take a, away. Uh, yeah, they're yeah. trying to take away mechanicals. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> our right to only our right to conceal broadheads. <laughs> and, and so, like I think, but I think guns becomes the fourth one. Yep. And so as I look at. Because I tend to think, like, it's nice that we started with ballot issues first because I tend to think micro to macro in this situation. I tend <laughs> to think, like, what are the things I can do for my state or where I live or my people? And then what, okay, got that taken care of. Now let's address the macro, what's what's going down yeah. uh, on a bigger level. But So, if like, if you were to take those four things, am I missing anything there? If I said public lands and access, guns, habitat, and wildlife management, am I, are we missing any big issues? No, because I think those buckets are big enough to put anything in. Yeah, you can put anything in there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I th- yeah. How do we, you know, we talked about this before, and this is something that comes up and gets gets pretty prickly, but guns versus, it's really kind of, I hate to put it like this, but it's kind of guns versus the other three when you look at party to party. Am I wrong in saying that? I mean, I think there's exceptions, definitely. Of course, of course. Like both there, like, but as a general rule. Yeah, um, I would say, I, like, stop and say, like, there's exceptions. Not yeah. every Republican does one thing, not every Democrat. But, Absolutely. like, as party lines go. I think that's fair. In a, in a, in a gross generalization, that can be dangerous. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so anybody, like, don't hold, like, don't uh, hold, yes. bend to that or me because there's definitely there exceptions definitely on both are. sides. This is, that's a, a gross generalization. I get that. But yeah. just trying to line it out, yeah. like, as a value system thing for folks. Yeah. I think that's that, fair. That's pretty fair. I think it's fair. Um, which is unfortunate. Which is unfortunate. And it doesn't have to be that way. And I think that's, uh, sorry to break in, I, 
but I think that's one of the things that we're trying to do at BHA, right? We, we think every politician should care about public lands and public waters. Now, yeah. there may be nuances within that and how you know, things get done, um, but if we start there um, and then we're working with both sides of the aisle, then we should be in a much better place than yeah. we are right now. Well, there were some good examples uh, in this election cycle around you, you can't get to the table unless you're into public lands. Yeah. Like, don't even show up. Yeah. yeah some state elections where you might as well just not be here yeah. if you're not into public lands, um, which I thought was was the movement and tangible movement right there. Absolutely. This is, this is what happens when Absolutely. enough people agree that this thing is special and this thing is important. Yeah. And so um, how do we – and guns have already been that. We've already we've we've crested that mountain long long ago around like we a lot of people vote based on mm -hmm. gun rights. Um, there's a lot of places where you can't really get to the table unless you unless you're a certain way um, around the Second Amendment. So I guess my biggest question is if and I think there are, I've heard from a lot of people and I, and I know this is true. Gun rights on one side and public lands access healthy ecosystems on the other. Yep. What do we do? Like, how do we how do we bring people to the middle? But also, how do we deal with our current situation? You just go home. Yeah, so you're done. <laughs> <laughs> I had a guy in here earlier that basically said that. He and said that, he told his daughter. He was like, "Listen, man, he lives in Florida, and, and I brought up the the caring for the Everglades versus yeah. gun rights uh, scenario." And he's just like, "I kind of told my daughter, like, maybe this is the time where we just don't vote." I was like, "Dude, get out of here." That's just not the answer. Take a walk. Yeah, man. that's just the, like that's just not the answer to me. I think yeah. that. You know, for me, <clears throat> that's the people demanding what they want, right? It's not good enough for you to be just great on guns. Like, you got to be good on public lands. You got to be good on access. got to be good on habitat. You got to be, you know, all those things that are the other three. They're pretty, three pretty big buckets, but you can do both, right? And so I think that's that side, and I think it's the other side, you know, demanding that they're, you know, they're better on guns while they're good at those other things. And so I think we, the people, um, how do you do that? I think... Like let's, I mean, the Land and Water Conservation Fund here in Montana has become something that you support or you do not get elected. Mm -hmm. Now, that didn't happen in a vacuum. That happened over, you know, a decade probably of uh, sportsmen, including BHA and others, and then the greater conservation community demanding that. Yeah. And now that is the way it is. Like, that, that is the line in the sand, right? And so I think, to me, how did that happen? That happened with a lot of accountability. Yeah, You know, holding people when they say one thing and do another, you know, holding them accountable. And it's also like cheerleading. And so, yeah. you know, when somebody does come around and they start to support something that maybe they didn't in the past, that you cheerlead the heck out of that. Yeah. So how does that happen? I think that's the way you do it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. No. You know, that's a long-term process. But I think that's, that's part of the problem, I think, <laughs> with elections too, right? That's why I would hate, you know, to be a House member, right? You're always oh. running. You know, every two years is the election, but you are always running. Every single thing that you are doing is setting you up for that next election. Yeah, and every right. single thing you do that that in the moment or even, you know, until most of your constituency is good, yeah. always has a negative. Yeah. Like, well, you're never in a win-win. Never. And so, like, it's hard to think long-term that way, yeah. right? It's like, okay, where's the wind at? You know, I'm yeah. like, this is, this is the way my people think right now, and I would be responsive to that, which is good. But yeah. like it's hard to think long term. And well, so and that's what as a sportsman's community, like what I, I personally struggle with, and hope we can all achieve at some point. Which it, we're humans, we'll never achieve it. But like the stiff wind blowing the same direction all the time. Because mm -hmm. then the politicians have if they're if 
if they're wind vanes, they got no choice but to blow Absolutely. with us. They got no choice but to blow with us. I'm going to like steal that one from you. Could like, that be a t-shirt? I, I, oh, man. That, like, like a stiff wind. There would be a whole I'm thinking of the illustrations right now. <laughs> <laughs> the stiff wind, what the stiff wind might look like. Um, but it's true. You know? I mean, I think if you create enough of uh, uh, a grassroots kind of voice, right? No matter what the issue, and just pound on it. There's one that I'll give you an example of that maybe is a little weird. But when I was growing up, like, there was, like, there was no, uh, like, none of, like, the kids that I grew up with had gay parents. Uh, yes, there was divorced families, but that was like a man and a woman, and there was none of that. Uh, gay rights weren't even talked about. This is like when, you know, yeah. like, this is not that long ago. Yeah. And now my daughter has a classmate who has uh, four moms, which means there was two moms that were together first, and then they got divorced and married, you know, two other women. Oh, yeah. My daughter doesn't, it, it's like, it, somebody's hungry. <laughs> um, we got it. We're a dog friendly yeah, office. And then Tuli's here. Tuli, we'll get you food here in a minute. Um, <laughs> nobody else will probably hear that than us. But anyways, the uh, that like she doesn't even care. Yeah. It's not even a big deal. So by the time she's voting age, that issue is gonna be so far and gone. It'll probably be solved. It'll you know, be a reality. By then. But like it's just that's just the way it is. Yeah. And so like 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 these things are changing. Um, things are progressing. And so when I think about like public lands and like the long-term viability of that, like we're having these conversations now and I hope it becomes like, you know, like this, weird to use that analogy, but this thing that it's just the way it is. Yeah. You know, and that's like, you are going to be supportive of these things. And if you are not, then you are so far out on the limb that nobody really. Dude, if I started, if this hunting podcast was expressly against public lands, yeah, I'm right. sorry, but I'd be out. And if yeah. this podcast was expressly against guns, I'd be out too, yeah. and I would want I would want people to kick me out, right? Yeah. Kick me out of the boat if I'm being yeah. that way. Yeah, that analogy. Yeah. Um, uh, somebody's telling us it's like almost time to wrap this thing yeah. up. Yeah, <laughs> let's go, go, go. Oh, she's fine. Um, but I, I I think that's that's a big part of it, you know. Yeah. Is picking those topics and sticking to them. And that's that's we're just now getting to a point where this movement for public lands, this movement for clean access or clean water and clean land and is becoming a big enough pull that it it's it feels to me like the weight of it is the same as the weight of the second amendment like it feels like before a lot of people just voted when they're thinking about sportsmen they're just thinking you know if you're if you're an nra plus candidate i'm voting for you yeah um that's not necessarily the case now because there is this other very heavy thing in the room that says like you better come to the table with public lands too you some bitch you know like yeah so that's I, it's just starting to get complicated because i think of where we are so i think culturally. that's partly like the <clears throat> i think that's partly the the ethos that's changing and like partly like the education that's starting to happen but it's also there's these things on the outside that are happening as well yeah you know and like i think about you know these fires that are in california right now We've been having catastrophic fires for the last decade, you know. Now we've got one that, like, it's it's the deadliest one on record in California, 56 people. It's super, super sad. But one of the things I'm listening to, you know, um, on the radio on the way over here today is that um, there's many factors that are contributing to that fire. You know, suppression for 100 years, building in this, you know, this, like, forest kind of urban interface that, like, probably we have no business in building in, you know. And so, like... 
part of, I think, why these conversations are going to be the top tier is because of these pressures from the outside as well. They're just yeah. reality and it's mother nature, like, and that's what's happening. And we're growing, you know, our population in the United States, our population in the world, it's growing all the time, which is causing more stresses on our planet. Mm. And so how are we going to carry forward, you know? And I think those things are now being pushed in our face, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, on, uh, climate change is a pretty, which is a pretty <laughs> uh, um, hot topic, pun intended, but I, the, that, as it becomes more of a reality, we have to deal with that guess what? We're going to deal with it. You yeah. know? And until that stuff is right in our face and the fires are part of that example, besides other things, you know, I mean, sea level rise, all these things. Hurricane. That's when, hurricane, that's when we're going to start to do something about it. And I don't know if we're at critical mass there yet, but it starts to, it's starting to feel it's like it. It starts to feel like it. I remember, you know, I was a editor at Peterson Signing Magazine. This was maybe six, seven years ago. Yeah. And we wrote a piece about um, the moose population in Minnesota right. and how the changing climate was affecting um, a lot of things and killing a lot of moose. Yeah, the ticks in particular were like yeah, the ticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I thought, wow. You know, when I read the article, I thought uh, it was written by a fellow named David Hart, and I read it. And I thought, what a great exploration of like just impacts mm-hmm. of of just how what we care about and 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 the greater effect on our world is starting to kind of you know really cozy up with each other here. Yeah, and what and I and. I guess rather foolishly, I thought our readership or the hunting community would embrace that and be like, yeah, okay, something good to think about. Let me do a little bit more thinking on that. But, man, I've never seen more, no, any more hate mail coming to yeah. a publication around. Because uh, it's been so politicized, It's right? been so politicized. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that, you know, what we're talking about with the stiffed wind is like, yeah, let's politi- let's let's stiff wind it with the politicize the things that yeah. – that really we know to be good and true. Yeah. You know, let's line up the apple pie public lands and 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 I think guns are right in there. Um, like, well, maybe we that's another shirt. Both. There's like, another right? shirt. Apple yeah. pie, guns, public lands. Both of that shit. Like, I, I think that's it has to be that way though. You know, and I think yeah. like we are shooting ourselves. Um, <laughs> another pun but like we are shooting ourselves in the foot if we're only thinking about guns and we are shooting ourselves in the foot if we're only thinking about like yeah. you know access and habitat and those other things right now i myself am not that worried about my guns being taken away yeah but there are threats out there and so yeah. we have to do both and and yeah. to me um it's no longer you can be either side and it's no longer we should demand from our politicians that they care about both yeah. and if we demand that stiff win then we will get it yeah and if they if they don't like if they don't listen to us guess what they don't get elected you well know? that's they you swing this all the way back to the super idealistic conversation in, in the beginning here where we're talking about vote and that's what it means to vote and it's like that's what this means though yeah. you have a chance to be part of that changing tide or that the stiff win like if yeah. we all together say hey you don't get to call yourself an advocate for sportsmen unless you have one, two, three, four things yep. checked off. And don't come with that bullshit. Yeah. Don't come over here with that bullshit. Don't come over here with that, like, I'm a sportsman. I love this. And I like, don't prove it. Right. And if, if we all um, can agree on those things, then. And, again, you know, Rennell and I, the, the podcast you can listen to that we did right around, you know, prior to the election, um, we thought we tried to answer the question of if you had to choose between guns and public lands, what would you do yeah. for guns and healthy ecosystems? And we're like, fuck that. We don't want to do that. Yeah. If we did, we would uh, give up our guns 
and then immediately go get them back. Right. <laughs> like if you if I had to make that decision today, I'd be like, here here's your guns, but then I would go and start a rebellion and we go get them back. But I'm not doing that. No, I'm not, let's I'm do not it doing right it. Now. I'm not doing that. Yeah. And so if there's any organizations out there, you know, I I love BHA, but if if you know if we get sniffs of like this isn't what's going on, we call it out. Yeah. But it is what's going on. Yeah. And I think another thing sportsmen sportsmen need to do, hunters dangers need to do is sniff harder. Yeah. Sniff them. Don't don't listen to rhetoric. Yeah. Right? Like, fuck you know, the rhetoric. I mean, like, and like that's what I love about fuck the that's another t shirt, dude. That one actually Dude, we are coming out with that one is a killer one. We are coming out with a pro nuance anti bullshit t shirt. I'm announcing that right now for the hunting collective that it's got little stars on it. It looks like a Trump uh, election shirt. That <laughs> <is awesome. laughs> but that's but that goes to that. It's like look harder. Yeah. Fucking look harder. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I like I am probably the poster boy for having been in, like caring about both these things a whole shit ton. Yeah. You know, when it comes to some of the things that, that are beating up against each other right now. And, yeah. and um, it's on me to freaking think it out. You know? That's why podcasts, like plug for this podcast, right? They're so important because they, they are long form conversations yeah. versus a meme or a headline that you see, right? Which are basically the same thing, you know? Yeah. And like, you know, the algorithms or whatever and the Russian bots that are, like, infiltrating us, like, you're getting, like, some pretty serious propaganda pushed in your face yeah. that is not, doesn't have any depth to it, right? Yeah. So go out, listen to podcasts, go read. Like, that's the education part that we talked about earlier, too. Like, it's, it's vital for us to be uh, an educated, you know, uh, electorate. Yeah, no, and I think that's spin that all up together. You know, we could talk about who won, who lost, but, I like... Yeah. It's not necessary at no. this point. No, yeah. and I, and you know, I mean, again, I don't want to be too Pollyannish, but I think <clears throat> now that we have uh, chambers controlled by two different parties, I think we're hopefully in a better place. Yeah, yeah, no, and again, like I think it go going back to podcasts and and our great friend, I think we could call him friend of the program, Joe Rogan, um, is says it all the time. Like, go watch Fox News, go watch MSNBC, and try to find where true ideas are being exchanged in a way that is productive for those ideas to grow and, and find their legs. Yeah. Like, go find a segment. Sometimes I'll turn on, like, a news, and there'll be, like, seven people and a, and a host, and they're like, they're all covering. And one of them says, like, three sentences, and somebody across the table is like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. And they're bouncing around like a pinball machine. Yeah. And, and there's really no dialogue that's going on. No, nothing's going on. Everybody just, like, wrote down ten things to say before. Yeah. Um, and that, where's think, my talking point? Here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. I got it, I got it. Check. All right, and I got my nine left. Straight my tie, get the fuck out of town. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Tell everybody I did a good job. Yeah, I did Tell a great mama, job. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm helping you, mama. So I think, yeah, I think listen to these longer form conversations, read um, articles that really touch on the issues. And I, and, you know, I'm probably guilty of this a lot, but I don't, you know, I think having larger, broad, idealistic conversations is is important and okay mm -hmm. because we are in a spot where it's time to have some of those conversations. Yeah, uh, and I think people are hungry for it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that that's why this podcast is you know very popular is because people are hungry for long form. They want they want something more. Yeah, you know? yeah, they do want something that make them think. Um, let's talk about lame duck for a little bit because I think you know. 
I don't know how many people really understand what's really at stake in a slam duck. Um, so food. Yeah. Like you got this wounded duck on the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're trying to we're trying to make T-shirts at every turn. <laughs> so lame duck. For those who don't know about it, lame duck is after the time after the election before the next Congress starts. So right after the election um, until like the first week of December. Yeah. Um, I would say like what's at stake. One of the biggest things at stake is like the Land and Water Conservation Fund, yeah. and you know it's sunset. September 30th of this year, um, and and so now you're in this kind of limbo land, and and I think you know there was some momentum. Uh, Mr. Bishop and the House was able to uh, um, hold a hearing and then ultimately get a vote out of his committee, and so that was huge movement. Even if it's only just out of a committee, that's that would have been a stumbling block for a long time. So yeah. that happened. It happened too late, but at least it happened. Um, the Senate has been um, working on a bill that's with Murkowski and with Cantwell, Republican and Democrat, that could hardly see eye to eye on many things, but on this issue they're together, and that's that word compromise. Yeah. Um, and so I think we've got an opportunity. And you know where I think it's going to end up uh, is that we'll get permanent reauthorization so we don't have to go to these three-year extensions and like be worrying about that piece. Uh, there is talk about potentially uh, doing some kind of full funding for the next three or four years. Um, and so at least we get that, and then we can talk about you know where that funding comes from later. So I'm excited about that. Like yeah. I really am. Um, you I think, think that has a chance to happen in the lame duck? Like, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the pressure's there. And I think you know, we're gonna, we have a big push coming that starting that Monday after Thanksgiving that we're going to be contacting all of our members and engaging them and, you know, making phone calls during that period and being like, get it done as important because what potentially can happen is that it's punted. It's like Democrats don't want Republicans to get a win. Republicans like, um, want to stall some because they don't like the program. Right. And all of a sudden we don't get anything during lame duck. And then we're covered up in the next Congress with a bunch of other stuff that doesn't get the LWCF first and yeah. then it just gets kicked down the road. And I think that's a bad thing for LWCF. Yeah. And like in the LWCF, uh, like I was always trying to like line up the opposition to it. Cause it seems, you know, there's always gonna be opposition to everything, but do you feel the opposition to it is appropriation? It's not that it should exist. It's like how we spend the money. Mm, I think that's part of it. I think there's just some people fundamentally that don't like public land. And so they don't want any new acquisitions. And so they're totally against new acquisitions. Do you think their appropriation is just their excuse to stop? For now, it's hard to to argue against land and water conservation. It is. Um, I think, you know, the piece that they want, I mean, if this is, permanently authorized, and then it becomes dedicated funding, which means it doesn't have to go through the appropriations process, then you got to find a pay for. So that's $900 million you got to find a pay for. So that is a problem. I mean, yeah. not it's not one that you can't solve, right? And that's why people out in D.C. are smart, and then go find that money. Um, and it's basically already, you know, it's there. there. Yeah. Um, but uh, that is a hang-up, you know, I think. But I think when it fundamentally comes down to when you start hearing about, oh, that we want this to go through the appropriations process, and so we, you know, can make sure you know where this money is going for and like how it's used yeah like, that's a red herring to me that's yeah. just that, that's the excuse that they're that's using what I, I see that a little bit it's like that seems like just a way to say like hey, i don't know about this thing let's look into it further right it just, like, like, the kicks national, it down the road right the national monument things like yeah let's do a review yep but like well, we really know where you're just calling. kick it down yeah that's good um so yeah i think this, there's an opportunity there um there's talk about an omnibus public lands bill which basically omnibus means it's a bunch of different bills that come together mm-hmm. 
um, which that's super exciting. Uh, you know, San Juan's Wilderness in Colorado would hopefully be um, on the docket there. We've got some stuff in uh, Oregon. We've got some stuff in Washington. So there's like an opportunity to bring a bunch of like bills together that deal with public lands. Now, as we've talked about the word compromise, and it's always like, what's the what's the worry on the it's other the side? Up, like yeah. exactly because if they're gonna, you know, if everybody's gonna get together and say we can pass this bill, what are the things that get tagged onto that that we don't like? Mm. Now, the two things that we probably don't like, um, I mean, sage grouse is gonna be a big one, um, and so I think you know we're we're definitely nervous. And when I talk about sage grouse, it's like the stopping of implementing the conservation plans that had already been decided. Yeah. And it's like no funding of those plans and like basically stopping them from going forward. What happened with the governorship there I don't, uh, in Wyoming? Uh, what did happen in the governorship? Somebody I Google it. I don't know. There's too many of them. I never, I didn't track that. I don't live in that state. I mean, the, the Republican won. Um, I don't, I'd have to get back here on that one. Yeah. I don't know that one. Me either. See, you stumped me. That's good though. I did. I'm not gonna. Now I'm gonna. It's gonna Got bug, him. Now it's gonna bug me, and it's gonna. Go, not that, that you can't stump me. Hey, on you all just stumbled into a new segment on the <laughs> yeah. Hunting Collective. Stump called Got him. him. <laughs> another T-shirt. Yeah, another T-shirt. Um, I like this. We're gonna make lots of money. So I think uh, you know we're worried about that, and then I think um, uh, we're worried about like clean water stuff too. Um, so like when you pass bills like that, and it comes down to compromises, like can you swallow some of the poison pills and. Those are the ones we see right now. We couldn't swallow either one of them, and so that would be really hard to say. Tough we don't one. want that to move forward. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's lame duck will happen. There's also, you know, we're coming up, uh, the way all that stuff is going to move would be in a budget bill, which, like, I think um, that, like, that sunsets, like, that first week of December, and that's why that's, like, a huge target date. And so what will probably happen is we'll get another continuing resolution, which isn't bad, especially for Land and Water Conservation Fund, because it basically puts money in there that was in there before at the same level. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing we'll probably just get a continuing resolution. But uh, if not, like, that's where this stuff can happen. And, like, the pressure, especially on LWCF, is there. Yeah. yeah. Is there any other? I know the farm bill is kind of in a similar situation. That could be That could be within that budget process as well. You know, that's, like, private land stuff, so it's not as, totally in our wheelhouse. Yeah, I know that. But it is a great conservation program, yeah. or the, at least there's, the conservation title is, like, a, yeah. a major important piece of the farm bill. Um, so that could definitely move within that budget, you know, kind of process as well. But, um, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Do you guys track CWD very much? A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. I mean, I think that, um, you know, that's more at the state level. Yeah. And so, like, our chapter up in Wisconsin in particular is really paying attention to what's going on. Um, it's obviously becoming more of an issue here in Montana. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I mean, I'd love to think, try to think about it like a, a federal national solution. But I think it's going to have to be state by state. Yeah, it's going to have to be. That's another good thing to, to say about PHA. I know we had, in a previous podcast, had uh, John Gale on. And, and really, if you want to get just like a real kind of dry, bare bones breakdown of what the organization is, listen to that podcast for sure. But I think one good thing to, to really talk about with you um, is that there's the state-level influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the state level work that's being done on on behalf of BHA by some some people I've met that are just kick ass volunteers. And yep. Just the tribe that's there. Yeah. It is. It's unbelievable. It's our power. It's unbelievable. It's our power. It's uh, you know, like I always say, we punch way above our weight. Yeah. And absolutely. There's two reasons. First one is we got a hell of a media shop. Like Katie McCaleb is, I think, one of the best relationships and getting our, you know, she can um, she can provide a megaphone. Yeah. But then the second piece of that is like all these people on the ground, man, that like 
you know, the reason that the, that they can punch above their weight is because they're going to these meetings, you know, late at night. They're driving, you know, hours to be at these things. Like their their dedication cannot be questioned. Yeah. And and the larger we grow, the more those kind of folks that we're attracting. And so that helps us influence things at a state level. And so, um, you know, whether that's like you know, in Oregon, where there was a the Elliott State Forest that was on the chopping block, you know, it was another state forest that was going to be sold. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, people like freaked out about that and like people on the ground and a lot of our leaders amongst other partners went to the state land board and said no and at first they were going to be three nothing you know for it and now they were three nothing against it and then now that that state uh, force is going to be there for perpetuity same things happened down in wyoming you know and i think that it's again i think once you empower people too it's such a it's such a cool thing because then it's like this uh then they're talking to people about how excited they are and you can feel it and so you have these people that are dedicated and they're getting um, their own little kind of armies around them. Yeah. And so as, as you know, these pockets build up, the success at a state level is definitely a place for us to concentrate. Yeah, I mean, I think as the broader political conversations get more tiresome, like you, I'm sure you draw energy from those interactions. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and I think, you know, there's a reason why Congress is slow moving is because, uh, and glacial is because if things go fast out there, it might not be great, you know, and like you have this huge pendulum that swings back and forth, you know, and if you have stuff that takes time, usually that's well thought out and all angles have been looked at and then hopefully it stands the test of time. Um, but it's frustrating. It's, yeah. you know, more than frustrating sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but at a state level, I think you can influence things pretty quickly. And uh, the majority of the time, like those things are going really well. And, yeah. and people, you know, people care about their backyard more than they do about D.C., right? And while D.C. decisions affect them in a major way in their backyard, when you have things that they can work on at a local level that they can affect, that, that it's empowering to them to where they think now they can go do something out in D.C. Yeah, yeah. No, I've seen that in BHA and really other groups. You know, there's there's many examples, but it's just it's always been striking to me. That, I mean, there's a Texas chapter of BHA, and the place has... So I'm going to Austin and, uh, like the, the week after Thanksgiving. Uh, enjoy that. Uh-huh. Having a, we're having a storytelling night down there in Filson. Oh, yeah, I heard yeah. I, yeah. If I was still living there, I'd be there. Yeah, um, yeah they're, they're blowing up. They have 2% public land. Yeah. And those guys are absolutely, like, like one, it's about... No public... excuses, other states. Yeah. Get your shit together. Yeah. Texas is killing it. Killing it. If Yeah. If you're over there and like you're in Michigan and you're like, ah, we just don't we don't know what to do with public lands, yeah. get it together. Get it together. Because Texas is throwing parties they're, at the Filson store. They're crushing it and it's like it's about individuals. Yeah. You know, we have a staffer, Kay DeLorenzo, that covers our whole Southwest. She is absolutely fantastic, but she covers five states. Yeah. Like it is the volunteers on the ground right now that are driving that process. And like when I sometimes, you know, when I hear feedback, you know, oh, our chapter's not growing very well. And, like, you know, like, we're, I'm like, well, what are you doing? Yeah. I'm like, well, we have not really anything. I'm like, that's yeah. why. Like, you know, and, like, you have to go out and do things. And those folks down in Texas, the men and women down in Texas are absolutely doers and they're crushing it. And oh, I would yeah. say that's, like, 99% yeah. of our Shout volunteers out to in this country. Jason, Mike, Brandon, like, all the guys that are down there. Killing it. Killing it. But, yeah, and I think that's just an example of the value systems we're talking about. I mean, like, th- these guys live in a – in a place where I lived there, it's not good. Like living now in Montana, you wake up in the morning, you're like, it's a different feeling. Yeah, yeah it's a real different feeling. I did my drive over here today. Yeah. Like there were so many places that I just wanted to pull off the road and just go <laughs> yeah. explore for a little bit with this dog, you know, and like, and go see if I could go jump on a duck or something. But like, 
all that that I drove by, not all of it, but a lot of it was public land. Yeah. And like, how cool is that? That like at any moment I could have been like, oh, I'm just going to pull over and like get out of there. So um, you are living in a different place, but I also think that those folks down in Texas, and I'm um, looking forward to going out and talking to them more, but I've had conversations with them and they almost value it more than I do. You know, like this is second nature to me. I just drove by all this stuff today. I'm not, you know, like 35% of Montana's public. Yeah. Like, they only have 2%, so that stuff down there is really important. And then these opportunities here where they can go explore are absolutely important. Well, that's it. And that's what, you know, I grew up in the East Coast. I lived in Texas, and now I live here. It's it's not that, you know, it's like this exclusive Western privilege. No. It's all of our privilege. Absolutely. And those dudes in the Texas chapter, or I'm sure in the Pennsylvania chapter, get in their trucks. I know they do in these. I know they do it because I see them. Yeah. They get in their trucks, they put a cooler in there, they put all their gear, and they fucking drive to Colorado and yeah. they shoot an elk, and then they flip around and drive back. They're one of the craziest things that I think I've witnessed is over in Colorado, and they have such a weird season. Like, they have, like, those three seasons, and they're, like, yeah, yeah, long. Yeah. Um, but, like, dudes drive around with, like, freezers in the back of their trucks. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know, and then you look at the license plate, and it's, like, Florida, yeah. Texas, you know, and so, like, they're shooting an elk. They have a generator in the back of the car, you know, and they put on that, and they have these freezers, and they're I've taking seen, it home, dude. dude. I've seen multiple freezers and like free like a trailer mm-hmm. with multiple freezers that's yeah. that's uh that's dedication i wonder uh i wonder if that stuff jinxes you though right like if you come up with like the big really that's presumptive <laughs> yeah, that's what i'm saying oh i guess you're gonna kill them all you, know? like, <laughs> you brought a whole freezer but if you did you? do you need that right you need yeah. yeah no that but that's you know that just shows that i'm very aware of like there being i know there's this like little uh internet thing now where people call other hunters like westies oh the westies love working out and going up the mountains i'm from north carolina fuck the westies like yeah. listen dude no shut up like this is not this is i've lived around and and, and from i identify as an east coaster and this shit's awesome well i would i would say that but then also when I think about North Carolina, they got a national forest there. It's 1.1 million acres. They got all that yeah. marsh that's out there. Like, you can get after it and find these pieces Wherever of backcountry anywhere you are. You yep. know, and it's just about if that's the kind of way, thing that you want to do. And if you don't want to do that, that's totally fine. Yeah. But you can find it everywhere. I grew up you know? in Maryland where there isn't a whole lot of it, but yeah. I grew up right by Green Ridge State Forest, and and there's a I grew up hunting there. Like that was just a place you could go. Yeah. How and, lucky, huh? How lucky. Yeah. Um, and I think that's. Something for everybody to remember, and like I said, it's easy. It's easy to say that. It's easy to be a part of something that's trending. It's super easy, and I think you got it great. <laughs> like you got lucky, man. You have have championed an idea that ought to be easy for people to get onto. Yeah, um, and, I, and when I, I hope that when you say you, that's like collective BHA. Yes, you know, you, it's not the me, organization. Like it's like this this tribe, this, this revolution, tribe. this like these people, each and every day, like are the ones that are. Um, they're heeding the call, I yeah. would say. And they found, like you find it, and I found in this, like this, finally some shared ideology that is infallible. Yeah. Like public lands are infallible. Come at me and try yeah. to try to give me one reason why they need to be taken away. Yeah. And, I, and I'm pretty sure for the rest of my days and for, you know, I'll teach my son this and you're teaching your kids this. Like they're, this is, don't tread on this shit. Yeah. <laughs> like just don't yeah. and i'm not you know i'm willing i'm an open-minded person but boy this is pretty close to concrete so i don't know if you've heard this one before but um my friend cory fisher from trial limited coined yeah. this it's like 
like our public lands are our second second amendment you know yeah. like do not touch that you yeah. know and like is that you know that's like i think that's kind of what you're saying like yeah. this is like a land the sand issue you know and like for me i'm pretty lucky that's the the thing that i get to do for a living but that's the thing that you know i care most about after yeah. my family and you know well yeah, we talk a lot about tribe and a lot about you know like our people like you say that a lot i find yeah, like, yeah, i yeah. say that a lot too yeah i say it you know in a lot of the same ways that you say it but like i have very much committed my career and like a lot of my thoughts to our people mm -hmm. hunters anglers people that like to go outside like yeah. you know and you have too and that's to be like that's pretty damn good way to live life well and i think you know i'm, I'm learning every day too you know yeah. whether that's outdoors you know those Young dog that's been she's now licking uh well, things out of the garbage. Trash? Yeah, yeah she's uh, she's hungry and that's why she's growling. She doesn't get ornery at all except when it's dinner time. Um, <laughs> Me, too. Me too. But like the things that I'm getting to do and explore with her and just learn, you know, about myself and learn about the places that we're hunting um, is awesome. The things that I'm learning from other people, you know, all across this country that are members of ours, like like that is cool. Besides like all kind of sharing that same ethos, you know, and like. Um, the same kind of global view is it's like just learning like about these different places all over the country that you know that make this country so cool yeah you man. know i will say like uh if you need any education on what bha is there's this little thing called the rendezvous yes and if you're wondering if this is for you and you're like my public lands mm, i don't know yeah and you're wondering if if these are your people too. I would suggest that you go to Boise. What's the dates? May, May one through four. May one through four. Bring your bring your drinking pants. Bring <laughs> your. <laughs> there's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of that. I always bring that up because I like to take. <laughs> but if you don't, you don't have to worry about leaving those at home. No. But if you don't, you'll be hydrated one way or the other. Yeah. And come and see that thing. Yeah. Um. I can honestly say that I has been my job for the last eleven years to go to these things, and um, I, in the last couple of years, I've realized like something you you know I've been searching for in the hunting community is there at that event, yeah. like a shared energy that just is I don't know how to, how you say it other than it's cool, man. It just is fun. You know, if it was just if it was just like the traditional rendezvous. Where people came from all across the country, you know, and just sat around like and like swap stories and like and like had a big bonfire. Like that would be like just that would be flat out amazing, right? And like yeah. that's really what this event is. And then you add into that like the wild game cook off and the public lands film fest and the storytelling night, you know, like all these other things, the skills and like the seminars, you know, and like like all that even makes it even better but just that piece that you first described of like yeah. people coming like from all across the country and then being like oh man i didn't know there was other people that thought like i did yeah and, I'm, and i'll tell you like i you know i'm sure remy that wouldn't mind that i say this but i remember last year i had to leave early and go to a family event and then talking to remy warren on like monday or something yeah and he was the one who first kind of articulated like i just did he's like dude i, I was like how's how's the weekend man how'd it go he's like dude man I've been looking for that for my whole freaking life. You know, I've been looking for this kind of gathering for my whole life, man. Mm -hmm. It is awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. You know? And the fact that guys that love that guy, like I do, can just go around and he's there hanging out, all the better. And that's the thing is I'm, there's, 
you know, there's no pretension of BHA. You know, there's no like hierarchy of structure that's like, oh, you can't, um, you can't be a part of this event, or you know, like yeah. that's this group over there. Don't break in. Like we did a thing with uh, uh, Ryan Bussey, our chair, John Gale, like all of our directors, right? So there's like six of us up on stage. Ask us any question that you want to ask us, you know. And so like, you know, the level of acumen of our members, like the questions they were asking was pretty damn high, which was really cool for me to see. You're like shuffling your index cards, like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's what card 46, hold on. <laughs> um, but like that, I think that session, I had a lot of good feedback from that is that like, you know, we are an open book, you know, yeah. and like, and, and the, again, there's besides no, no hierarchy, it's like, like, this is your organization, you know, and like have conversations with us about like what you want to see or what you don't want to see and, um, and we can move forward and, you know, and, yeah. um, with all, you know, I think, you know, as we grow, you know, this event, you know, it was 725 people the, the year before that. Last year it was 1,300, and this year we're probably like reaching 15 to 17. Yeah. Like it's maintaining that intimacy yeah. and maintaining kind of like that open feel that everybody matters. And, you know, there's going to be people there that have scraped every single penny that they can just to get there to the event. And there's going to be people there that have an opportunity, you know, to spend $10,000 on something, right? But all of them together, they share the same ethos and are feel like a family yeah, and don't man. feel like there's a separation of the haves and the have-nots or like the Westies versus the Easties that we're going to use those. Like <laughs> now we're in West Side Story all of a sudden. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it, like that to me, I think is the the juice and it, it's it's kind of hard to describe unless you're there, you know, yeah. like in the, like like you say, like the energy. But it's, it's palpable, man. Like I, yeah, I freaked yeah. out when I got on stage at that storytelling because I just like – the energy in that room, like, I just couldn't handle it. And I just had, like, this, like, I was jumping all around like a crazy Freaking man. me out, people. <laughs> I had, like, my, I had my uh, Howard Dean moment. Remember that scream <laughs> that he had? Like, like, that was my moment where I was, like, jumping up like crazy, like, all over the stage. Um, but it was because the energy was so rad, you know? Yeah. And, like, the conversations that I had, you know, from people all across the country, that map, they had everybody put a pin, you know, kind of where they came from. We had every single state covered, you know? And, and I think all but two Canadian provinces, like, that to me is is pretty darn cool. Uh, gosh, man, yeah. At some level, it's that's what that's what I'm after. At some yeah. some strange level, like I like to hunt alone. But yeah, boy, I'd like to have a community around it. Yeah, it's, just, it's an awesome thing to go do. Yeah. Fish it's, too, of course. It's but, fun. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. So May one through four, tickets will go on sale. Get to Boise any day now, but uh, it will sell out. So if you're thinking about coming, uh, make get sure there. that uh, you get a ticket early. I would, yeah, I, I'll be there. And it's and affordable. I, I mean, last year it was 175 for the whole weekend. That's like meals and and drinks. It's hard when you I, go there and you do everything. You're you're done after a couple of. You're ready to go oh, yeah. back to wherever you came from. Oh, yeah. You're like, dude, yeah. that was intense. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is. It's like uh, it's packed, uh, and you can take breaks. I mean, Boise is an amazing place. You know, you got the Boise River running through town. You Maybe got this year, yeah, the because foothills. It is, it's so uh, it's such an intense weekend. Maybe we just have yeah. like a Sunday. Like, just get, like, a 1,700 beanbag chairs. And everybody, <laughs> <laughs> everybody, I'd like to see that room, right? Everybody's like, Wah. Everybody's just, like, drinking water. And like, ah. Yeah, they tried to do, like, an archery shoot last year. They did do an archery shoot last year. The chapter, Idaho chapter did. Not very well attended. Yeah, people are just yeah. wearing slippers in their yeah. bathrooms. It was pretty intense. Yeah, but it's a lot. I mean, when we say intense, it's, it's so much fun. It's like it's like that uh, FMO, like fear of missing out. <laughs> yeah, like you don't want to miss any event because That's it's like so feel, awesome, yeah. you know. And so yeah. you run yourself ragged a little bit, bouncing from one thing to another. So take maybe take back internally to Missoula the beanbag chair idea. <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go pitch that to Frank. Do people still sit in beanbag chairs? Oh yeah, I think I mean I think college kids. I they bet sit in them. Oh yeah. 
That's I'm old. Yeah. I don't know. My like daughter I, wants one right now, and I'm like, "You, that's hey, good." I'm hey. feeling like this comes back to the very well, beginning a, of the podcast. Yeah, it's like the it's like like this is one place where you're cool. Like thinking about beanbags, beanbag like, chairs. Yeah, they're in, man. I was thinking in the editorial space that like we have in our new office. I wanted to hang those beads up, you know, that you folks used to have on like in ra- between rooms. Yeah, rather than a door. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I'd like to see somebody come in and be like, "Hey, hey, hey." Like have to do this to yeah. talk to me, yeah, or talk to somebody in the editorial uh, department. That's not going over well yet. Or? I haven't. I mean, I'm trying to build like a kind of a style, like beanbag yeah. chairs, oh. beads, lava lamps, lava lamps. Oh yeah, lava My, lamps. Uh, babysitter told me I got home the other day and she goes like, "Me and your kids looked at the lava lamp for like 20 minutes." <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Like, since we're, we Thanks don't let them really watch TV it. and stuff, though, like, like, that's their electronic that they're watching is this lava lamp. And it was so intriguing that it was 20 minutes of that. 20 minutes of just staring yeah. at a lava lamp. Yeah. And that's not like, yeah, other people that are staring at those. I think the new, once we actually build the Meat Eater Podcast Studio, we may have to incorporate a little lava lamp. Lava lamp. Yeah. And a beanbag. Dude, that'd be sweet. Anyway, feel free to steal those ideas. All right, your... I'll go back to Frankie and be like, okay, we're going to have a lava lamp lounge with lava beanbags lamp, and beads. Lava lamp, beanbag chairs and beads. <laughs> I think like that'd be cool, man. Yeah. All right, Land. Thank you for uh, doing what you do. Hanging out, man. I always appreciate you. Ben, uh, thank you for being on the board. Thank you for uh, this opportunity on the podcast, man. Like I, yeah. I mean, it's the poly pulpit that you got, and I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate the time that you have for us today. Well, we're gonna keep doing it. Cool. All right, brother. Thank you. See ya. That's it. That's all. Episode number thirty-six in the books. Thank you very much to Lan Tawney for coming to Bozeman and hanging out in the Mediator offices and talking shop. I really appreciate it, as always. And so if you're unfamiliar with BHA, hopefully now you know what they're all about, what they do for our community, and, and check them out and get informed. And if you want to become a member, please do. I am, um, and I believe in their mission. And I would say that openly always. Um, and I believe in public lands, and I believe in value that they bring to all of us and uh i'll probably be a broken record for that uh, as long as this podcast exists so (laughs) i hope you're on board if not let's talk it through um really hope that you listened last week to morgan mason our associate editor here at media incorporated for episode number 35 if you missed it go back listen to morgan it was a great podcast next tuesday episode number 37 I'm going to be joined by our very own Giannis Patelis. And we're going to be looking into the ethical quandaries of our audience. So we asked uh, on Instagram for folks at BennyOB301 to give us some ethical quandaries. we got a bunch of good ones. So Yanni and I are going to sit down and tackle those for episode number 37. So be sure to stay tuned next Tuesday morning. And until then... Go to TheMeatEater.com, go to the Listen tab, hit up The Hunting Collective, hit up Anchored, hit up uh, Wired Hunt, hit up uh, The Meteor Podcast, of course, with one Stephen Ranella, and then go to the page uh, and sign up for our newsletter to get weekly updates on all of our content into your email inbox. It'll be awesome, I promise. All right, until next time. We'll see you from Bozeman, Montana. Bye.
After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold.